Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thanks that we can read your word together. Thanks for the way that you speak to us through your word. We pray now that you might uh, give us clarity in understanding the claims of Jesus uh, and clarity in understanding the answer to the question, aren't all religions the same? Lord, thank you that you do speak, uh, that you're not silent, uh, that you have made yourself known. And so we pray that we might come to know you this morning through your son, Jesus. And we pray these things in his name. Amen. Uh, Now, there was one day a pastor was walking along a bridge and he saw on the other side of the road a visibly distressed man about to jump off, about to take his own life. The pastor, being the good pastor he did, rushed across the road and said, don't do it. And the man kind of said back in a really sad voice, nobody loves me. And if nobody loves me, then life just isn't worth living. And the pastor said, God loves you. Do you believe in God? And the man says, yes, I do believe in God. The pastor asks, are you a Christian or a Jew? He says, I'm a Christian. Me too, replies the pastor. Are you a Protestant or a Catholic? A Protestant. Me too, says the pastor. What denomination? Oh, I'm a Baptist. Oh, so am I, says the pastor. Are you a Northern Baptist or a Southern Baptist? A Northern Baptist, says the man, beginning to look decidedly less agitated. Me too, says the pastor. Are you a Northern Conservative Baptist or a Northern Liberal Baptist? The man says, a Northern Conservative Baptist. Me too, says the pastor. Are you part of the Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes region or the Northern Conservative Baptist Eastern region? I'm part of the Great Lakes region. Me too, says the pastor. Now, are you part of the Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes region Council of 1879 or the Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes region Council of 1912? Turning away from the edge of the bridge, the man is just about to step down and he says... The Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. At this point, the pastor yells, Die, heretic, and pushes him over the edge of the bridge. Now, looking on from the outside, uh, this is how all the different religions and donations and faiths may appear as people look in from the outside, fighting and arguing and disagreeing when essentially they're all the same anyway, aren't they? They're all the same anyway. And so we want to ask God, we want to ask God, aren't all religions the same? Because it's a big question. It's a common question. It's an important question. But actually, when we come to God and ask that question, aren't all religions the same? We're really assuming, more often than not, that the answer is yes. And we think that those who want to say the answer is no, then they're just like the guy who pushed the other guy off the bridge. They're fighting over the details, they're fighting over the minutiae, or they're being judgmental, or they're arguing just for the sake of being arguing. And so I think the idea that all religions are the same, I think it's an understandable idea. It's an appealing idea. We kind of want it to be true. See, it's an understandable idea why people think that all religions are the same, because on one level, we think that they're all doing the same thing anyway. There's obvious similarities between them. Most religions are about spiritual reality. Most involve praying to a higher being. They teach about God or gods. They teach about existence beyond this life. They have certain rituals that go with being a follower or a believer. They have a code of ethics or a, moral, a set of morals. And even those, that code of ethics or morals can be similar across different religions around the world. And so from the outside, it's understandable that they all seem the same. Uh, A few people view religions like my mum views cars. See, there are some people out there who just are not into cars. They're not interested, like my mum. She doesn't watch Top Gear. She doesn't know the difference between a Corolla and a Commodore and a Corona. 
Uh, my mum drives cars, they're useful for getting from A to B, but as far as she's concerned, that's all there is. She's just not really into them. And so when you ask my mum what sort of car someone was driving, uh, she'll tell you it was a car, and she might tell you what colour it was, and that's it. And so mum thinks a car is a car. They all do pretty much the same thing. They're just the same. They're just cars. Now, I know that there are some people who are, are into cars, and they're dying on the inside. They know the difference between their Priuses and their Porsches 911s, and so for someone to just assume a car is just a car, and they're just, they're just all the same, well, for them, that's an offence to everything that is good and decent and right in the world. But this is how a lot of people view religion, the different religions of the world. They're, they're, they're not interested in religion. Uh, it's not really for them, they feel... And as they look at the religions, they think they basically just do the same thing. All religions are the same. I guess that's an understandable idea. It's also because there's so much trouble caused by religious differences. If you look at all the world's, world's uh, hot spots, the trouble spots in the world, many of them are divided along religious lines. Protestants and Catholics, Jews and Muslims, Buddhists and Hindus, conflict all over the globe. Surely it would be a much nicer world, it would be a much more peaceful world if all the religions were the same. We want to be able to sing with John Lennon, don't we? We want to be able to sing, imagine there are no countries, it's not that hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for and no religion too. Imagine all the people living life in peace. Imagine all the religions are the same, living life in peace. It's an understandable idea. But I also wonder whether we like the idea that all religions are the same because it's actually easier to think that. I mean, we don't have to think too much about it if, if, if all religions are the same. I think a lot of people are like me and we like intellectual shortcuts, we like thinking shortcuts, we like to be able to generalise about things, we like to, that's why we put people in a box because then it makes it easier to deal with that person because we've decided what they're already like. And so to think that all religions are the same, it's pretty appealing because it means I don't have to think too hard about it. It means I can either believe them or dismiss them all in a job lot, kind of deal with them in bulk, kind of select all, delete, if, and, and that's just easier to deal with it that way. I think another reason why it's understandable that all religions are the same is because it sounds more tolerant. It sounds more politically correct. Uh, we don't want to say that Christianity is better than Islam or that Judaism is better than Buddhism. It feels wrong, it feels politically incorrect to say that. And who are we to judge anyway? And so it seems safer and it seems more noble just to think that all religions are the same. And so if that's where you're at, if that's what you genuinely think, that all religions are the same, then I want to say to you first up, that is understandable. It is understandable, it is an understandable idea. But I also want to suggest that it is a mistaken idea. It's a mistaken idea because to assume that all religions are the same you have to ignore the many big, fundamental and profound differences between different religions. And if you think the idea that a car is just a car, if you think the idea is crazy, then you know exactly what I mean. See, it's easy to show the differences between cars. It doesn't take much to do that. And the same, and it's even more obvious to show the difference between religions. It's easy to show that there is no possible way that all religions can be the same. Let me just give you some very quick examples from the world's major religions. Here are some big, fundamental, profound differences between them. 
In Hinduism, there are many gods. In some versions of Hinduism, there's thousands of gods. In Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, there is one God. And to have more than one God is idolatry and blasphemous. In Buddhism, the the Buddha was pretty much agnostic. He wasn't really interested in the question of whether there was a God or gods. And so when it comes to God and who He is and how many there are, they're different. Buddhism is actually a rejection of Hinduism. It's deliberately different to Hinduism. And so to say that Buddhism and Hinduism are the same is to say exactly the opposite of what the Buddha was teaching in the first place. They're different. Buddhism is a philosophy that teaches us to remove desire, and by removing desire, we'll find enlightenment. But the man at the center of Christianity, Jesus Christ, he was a man of passion, a man of deep desire. He wept, he got angry, he was deeply compassionate, he loved people. All of such actions would, the Buddha would reject as unenlightened ignorance. You see, they're different. At the very heart of Christianity is the historical death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and yet in the Quran it is written like this. They neither killed Him, that is Jesus, nor crucified Him, but so it was made to appear to them. See, a Muslim cannot accept that Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected three days later, but that is a core belief of Christianity. See, they're different. I could go on and on. This is just scratching the surface. Different religions, they're different. They're not the same. They teach mutually exclusive ideas. You can't have no God, one God, and many gods. They can't all be right. Either Jesus died on a cross or he didn't die on a cross. They both can't be true. And yet, in the face of such fundamental differences, some people still want to say that basically all religions are the same. And so that's why I want to suggest that as well as it being an understandable idea, that all religions are the same, and a mistaken idea, I want to suggest that it is an arrogant idea to think that all religions are the same. Uh, There's a famous story that people use to illustrate this when when they're talking about different religions. It's about some blind men who approach an elephant, and when these blind men reach the elephant, they all end up touching different parts of the elephant And we're hoping that it's a very patient and tame elephant who's going to put up with this. And so one man grabs onto the trunk and he starts talking about the trunk as though he's found a snake. And another man kind of gets a hold of the leg and he thinks he's found a tree. Another man kind of finds the side of the elephant and he's talking about this big wall that doesn't move. And another man's got the ear and the tail. And they've all found the elephant, but they've just found different parts of it. And so people want to say that the different religions... And the different religious ideas are like these blind men. They each each have a a grip on a different part of the same reality. They may seem to be different, but in the end, they're just describing the same reality. It's the same elephant. Now, there's something that's quite appealing. It's a nice way out of the problem, isn't it? But there's still a problem. How could anyone possibly know that no religion can see the whole truth? unless that person has a superior, all-complete knowledge of spiritual reality themselves. You see, the blind men and the elephant, the explanation only works if there is one person who can see the whole situation and see what the blind men are doing. And so the person who wants to explain the difference between other religions in this sort of way, they're claiming that lofty position 
of the person who can see the whole elephant, the person who has true understanding, the, the person who sees clearly above everyone else who's blind and fumbling around in the darkness. And when you put it like that, that, that person's starting to sound pretty arrogant, don't you think? That they're the only one who can really see what is going on. And it's like saying to, you know, it's, you know what, the Hindus, the Muslims, the Jews, the Christians, the Buddhists, whatevers, you only have part of the truth. But I, I can see the whole truth. I can see the whole picture. Now, it's pretty arrogant. I don't think people mean to be arrogant, but it is. It's also absurd because you can't actually deal with difference like that. See, another way that people try and deal with the difference is they say, well, I know they believe different things, but hey, in the end, what really matters is that they believe, that they believe, not what they believe. So long as you believe something, that's more important than actually what you believe. It's just about having a faith, having a belief. And so some people talk about it like a mountain. And each religion is a, is a different path up the top to the mountain they, and they all lead you to God or to enlightenment or to eternal life or whatever floats your boat. Um, and the, the important thing is that you believe, that you're, that you're on the path, that you're working your way up the mountain. That's what's import, what most important, not actually what it is that you believe in. But again, this is the same arrogance, just kind of dressed up in slightly philosophical clothes. It's actually incredibly dishonouring and dismissive to billions of people. Because to them, what they believe matters enormously. You see, I'm a Christian, I follow Jesus. I believe in the promises contained in the Bible. I believe in the historical person of Jesus. I believe in His historical death on a cross and bodily resurrection. I believe what Jesus taught about Himself and about God and about life and about truth and so for someone to come along and simply dismiss what I believe as basically the same as a Muslim person or a Hindu person just because we believe something, well that's arrogance in the extreme. Sure, do, do me the honour of disagreeing with me. Sure, do me the honour of believing something different to me and, and come and debate the claims of Jesus with me but just to dismiss me without listening to what I have to say, without listening to what I believe. And for me to dismiss you without listening to your beliefs as well. You see, that is just arrogance. That's disrespectful. We don't respect someone by simply riding over what they believe or ignoring what they believe. Respect comes from seeking to understand what people believe and why they believe it. Respect comes even from critiquing what someone believes, to take them and their beliefs seriously enough to wonder whether they're true or not. It's not disrespectful to disagree. It's disrespectful to be apathetic, to just brush it over, just to say that they're all the same. It's okay to disagree as long as we do it with respect because different religions are not the same. And any attempt to make them the same, it's an, it's an understandable, it comes from a good place, but ultimately it's mistaken. It's disrespectful, it's intolerant, and it's arrogant. And so when it comes to considering the different religions of the world, it's interesting that Jesus himself is self-consciously setting himself apart from all others. 
In fact, Jesus, is the, he founded a very unreligious religion. Uh, Jesus spoke these significant words. Uh, you, uh, I think it's printed there on your out, outline, John 14. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, the little word in there, the, is very important. It's very important what Jesus said. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Notice he's not saying I am a way or a truth or a life. He's not saying I'm kind of one among many options, all of which are equally valid. He is saying I'm the only one. That, is, that, that little word, the, is important. But more importantly are the, are the two other words, through me. Through me. Because according to Jesus, the only way to the Father, the only way to true life, the only way to salvation and paradise and peace is through Him. The path to God through Jesus is stunning. Because Jesus describes a very unreligious religion. According to Jesus, salvation and life and forgiveness and peace, according to Jesus, it is a free gift. It is a free gift. It is not earned. It is not a reward for hard work. It is a gift to be received. And that teaching of Jesus, it flies in the face of our normal understanding of religion. It flies in the face of almost every other religion on the planet, really, because our normal understanding of religion is that you, you have to do certain things in order to be saved, in order to get to heaven, in order to reach paradise. You have to do stuff in order to please God. But according to Jesus, that's not right. According to Jesus, it is a free gift. And that's the point of the story that uh, Catherine read for us, uh, the parable about the Pharisee and the tax collector. It'd be great if you could open that up in the Bible that you've got there. Uh, you see, in this story, you have this Pharisee and you have this tax collector, and they each went to the temple to pray to God. The Pharisee comes and he kind of represents the ultimate religious person, the good, moral, rulekeeper, religious person. The, 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 the Pharisee, if anyone deserves to get into heaven based on how they have lived, it's this guy. And you can tell by the way he prayed, he knew it too. Uh, do you see the way that he prayed? Remember his prayer? Jesus said, this is the Pharisee, he stood up and prayed about him, said, verse 11, he prays, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Now, this guy is good. You know, at the, um, at the religious Olympics, this guy's going to get the gold medal every time. He did all the right things. Every box is ticked. But the other one in Jesus' story, he's the exact opposite. He is a tax collector. Now, I know we're not keen on the IRD these days, but back in Jesus' day, tax collectors were despised. Uh, the modern equivalent in terms of stigma, like a pimp, or a drug dealer, or those charity collectors, those chuggers who stop you in the street, kind of a group of people that were loathed by everyone. And so if you choose a type of person who's going to be on the wrong side of God, if you choose someone who's definitely going to be out, it's, it's a tax collector in Jesus' world every single time. But look at his prayer in verse, verse 13. Verse 13, But the tax collector 
stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's a stark contrast, isn't it? The tax collector comes with nothing to bargain with. He brings nothing to God, nothing to earn a place in God's good books. All he could do was admit that he had nothing. All that he could do was admit that he wasn't good. All that he could do was admit that he was a sinner before God and beg, beg for mercy. And then spot the difference. Who is acceptable to God? Who does Jesus say? Verse 14, this is the point that Jesus is making. Verse 14, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, the Pharisee, this man went home justified before God, that is acceptable before God. And so there we have it. This is Jesus' take on religion. According to Jesus himself, religion, any religion, doesn't work. Religion, kind of rituals, traditions, moral codes, good deeds, they don't fix things up between you and God. Because do you know why? Because none of us are good enough. Near enough is not good enough when it comes to God. Like we saw when we looked at the question, how good is good enough? God requires a 100% pass mark. Now, some of us might think we're pretty good and we might think we're getting closer than others. Some of us might be more moral or more religious than others, but but really, it's, it's like missing the bus. You miss the bus by 10 seconds or 10 minutes or 10 hours or 10 days, it doesn't matter. You miss the bus. According to Jesus, we all miss the bus of being acceptable before God based on our own efforts. Jesus says, religion, no matter which one you're talking about, religion cannot close that gap. And so according to Jesus, the only way forward is to do what the tax collector did in this story, and that is to come to God and plead for mercy. We need God to be merciful to us. We need God to treat us far better than we deserve. And if you're wondering how merciful God will be, well, let me tell you this. Not long after this story, Jesus, the Son of God, will willingly allow himself to be killed, to be crucified on a cross. And the reason for that is to make way for undeserving people like you and me to make us acceptable to God. People like the tax collector in this story. People like the religious man in this story. People like you and me. He died. He took the punishment. He took the rap. He took the blame for all the mistakes, all the wrongs of his people. Their guilt was placed on him. My guilt was placed on him. And through his death in our place, the great news of Jesus has opened up a way to God that doesn't depend on how good we are. It doesn't depend on how religious we are. And the fact that three days later, his death, after his death, he rose again, proves how successful he was. The way is now open. He really can be the one who leads us to God. And remember those first words of Jesus that we looked at. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The claim of Christianity is that Jesus and only through Jesus can a person be saved. And according to Jesus, it's not what you can do for him that counts, but what he has already done for you. Now the Bible has a word for this and the word is grace. It's grace. It's not the little prayer you might say before you eat dinner. Grace 
is the incredible generosity of God in saving people who don't deserve it. People like you and me, grace is a gift. It's not a wage for religious duties performed, it is given as an undeserved gift. Which is why Christianity, following Jesus, is a not very religious religion. See, all the other religions rely on human effort in order to gain salvation. But unlike the Hindu teaching of karma that insists that every wrong action must reap its consequence, Jesus teaches that forgiveness for wrong actions is freely available for everyone through Him. It's through Jesus. Unlike the Buddhist teaching that humans have everything they need to be pure and wise and no divine help is available or possible. Jesus teaches that we're all helpless, yet He has done everything that we need to be saved. It's through Jesus. Unlike the Jewish insistence that we need to observe religious festivals and keep the Sabbath, Jesus insists that more important than what we do is what He has done. It's through Him. You see, this teaching of salvation through Jesus, that forgiveness is flowing from God as, as a gracious gift, it's actually blasphemous to the Muslim person. Because in their mind, in, in, in Islam, it robs Allah of His glory. For in Islam, the only path to salvation is obedience to what they call the five pillars of Islam. And so any notion of grace or generosity from God, that's offensive and blasphemous. But aren't all religions the same? Well, it's an understandable idea. But it's a mistaken idea. And it's an arrogant idea because they're not the same. And my suggestion to you today is that what sets Jesus and Christianity apart from all the rest is grace. Not having to earn God's favour, but humbly receiving it like the tax collector in Jesus' story. Now, we'd love for you to discover that grace of God in Jesus, that, that, that Jesus is offering you. Uh, but before I want to go any further, if, you, if, if you're sitting there thinking, Andrew, that sounds just as arrogant as everything else that you've painted. Well, history, Christianity urges you to look into it. It urges you to take the teachings of Jesus seriously and do your research. Christianity, more than any of the other world religions, puts its head on the historical chopping block and invites anyone to come forward and take a swing. Look into the historicity of Jesus. Look into the reality, the historical reality of His death on a cross and a resurrection. Don't dismiss it until you've looked into it, until you've seen whether it's true or not. Now, there's a few ways we'd love for you to discover the grace that God is offering you. Uh, the first and best place to begin is to read it in the Bible. Read about it in the Bible. If you don't have a Bible, um, we'd love for you to take one home with you. Uh, on the seat next to you somewhere, there's a Bible. Uh, take it. It's a gift. No one's going to say, hey, leave that behind. No, take it. It's a gift. We'd love for you to have it and read it. Uh, we'd love for you to read one of the biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke or John, and discover more about the grace that God has given in Jesus. The other thing that we'd love to do is we'd love to invite you to our Jesus Is course. One of the things we love to do here at Sidon Hill is run short, friendly, no-pressure courses that, that simply explain who Jesus is to people. Now, we call it Jesus Is because that's essentially what the course does. It explains who Jesus is. 
um, and explains what he did and why it matters. Uh, the details are on the news sheet. Let us know in the comment card if you want to come along. Um, I can't recommend it highly enough. Uh, finally, to discover more about who Jesus is, uh, kind of the easiest option is just to keep coming back to church. Uh, we're here every Sunday at 10 a.m. Come along. We're always talking about Jesus. We're always talking about what He has done. Come back, hear more, ask questions, discover the grace that God has offered you in Jesus. Because remember Jesus' words. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So will you pray with me? Dear God, we thank you that you have spoken clearly to us through your word. We thank you that you have spoken to us through your son, Jesus. Have mercy on us, sinners. God, we give up on our efforts to try and please you under our own steam. And we gladly receive the gift of life you offer us through Jesus. We thank you. We thank you that Jesus died for our sins. We thank you that Jesus rose again to bring you life. God, help us to follow Jesus. And we pray these things in his name. Amen.